98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Weekly Blast. Kevin Durant is combative on social media, unafraid of picking fights. He's also notoriously thin-skinned, a player already stigmatized for joining the 73-win Warriors. So how far is he willing to go? Is he comfortable being the biggest, easy-way-out mercenary in basketball history? Is he willing to be bad to the bone? This much is certain. After having the gall to become the first impact powered superstar to ask for two heads on a platter, he's fast becoming more unlikable than ever. He's also fiercely dedicated to his own happiness, which is kind of funny for a guy who doesn't seem that happy. But if he has Phoenix in his I don't care crosshairs, well, there's only one way left for him to pull this off, and it can be found in the Jimmy Butler playbook, who first held out in Minnesota and then showed up and caused holy hell, picking fights yelling at coaches and front office employees, going scorched earth on everyone in the vicinity. And as much as the Nets want to say they have leverage, you can't call a bluff on a highly disruptive superstar. Does not work. They can do way too much damage, undermine way too much authority. So we're going to see if Durant is really obsessed with Phoenix or if he's open to other trade opportunities. And when it gets uglier, it's going to be even more interesting to see how Suns fans feel, as in do they really want this their team to be this villainous or do they want to double down on that goofy, lovable team that has given us quite a journey the last two years, for better and for worse. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I would be concerned um, the ability to change his mind um, so consistently, like, okay, I wanted to be traded on June 30th. Okay. Well, now, months later, or six weeks later, um, I don't want to be traded, but it has to be, you know, two to two um, executives have to go, and I'll be content staying here. So, wait a minute, you, do you want to be traded, or you don't want to be traded here? So, that would be my concern here, as far as if, if I'm a team out there that's going to have to give up you know, four first round picks and a couple good players here. Like, what's the commitment going to be the other way around? And I think, you know, certainly in, in Phoenix, you say, well, we've got money and we've got, um, you know, we've got James, guys who've played relationships here. But I, I mean, that might wear off in a year. Bobby Marks from ESPN with uh, Wolf and Luke uh, talking about his concerns on the whole thing, starting with the change in uh, attitude for Kevin Durant. Potentially, I think at the heart of it, Kevin Durant still wants out of Brooklyn, mm-hmm. but he did open the door a crack for the Nets organization to say, all right, if there's a chance that we can make this better by appeasing his wishes, big big ask, by the way, maybe we can patch it up. Uh, what would have happened if Kevin Durant on June 30th would have made his desire known, hey, I want to be traded, I want to be traded to Phoenix or Miami, and then, oh, by the way, at that point, if you fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks... Mm-hmm. We can we can uh, maybe patch things up. Maybe he didn't feel that way at the time. Maybe he's seeing that as a, you know a, a more viable option because all this time has passed and there hasn't been any movement. I mean, I think Bobby Marks brings up some interesting points there. 
Uh, yes, I, I think he does, too. I do not think, though, that this is necessarily a change of heart for Kevin Durant. I think his ask was directly related to the fact of they're not going to go for this. This is obviously way too much, and they're going to react negatively to this, and uh-huh. they're going to realize we can't bring this guy into training camp. But why is, after- he, why is he taking these small steps along the way instead of just originally saying, I don't want to play for the Nets anymore. You have to trade me. Mm-hmm. Why, why is he think, going step by step by step instead of just doing that originally? Why, why, why are you asking me? <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of rhetorical. Ask him. It's rhetorical that like, if he truly wants to be in the Suns and only the Suns, if he truly doesn't want to play for the Nets anymore, why is he doing this so passively? If Okay, again, I, I, I think a lot of what he does is very much like this. I think that um, he has already requested a trade. He just confirmed to the owner that, yes, I nothing has changed. I do want out. And, and clearly he dropped this, uh, this Sean Marks, Steve Nash thing involved here because I think he knows Joe Sy has a very good relationship with both, particularly Sean Marks. And I, and I think he knows there's no way they're going to side with me over that. So this will get them rolling. This, because I think Kevin Durant began to fear that, uh, you know what, they're, they're, they're not taking me seriously. They're just going to yeah. expect me to roll into training camp here. That's a good point. I love the way you termed it in the blast, by the way. You called it both uh, Durant's stance, both brilliant and disgusting, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is but it's both true are. on yeah. both fronts. Yeah. It's bold. Uh, if it if it, it really forces the hand of the Nets, then it is brilliant. But, man, it does leave you with a bad taste it in your mouth. Does. And it, what does that do in terms of the attitudes of other league executives? If this guy is willing to turn on his head coach that he just endorsed back in April – uh, his uh, general manager, who just signed him to a contract extension last August, if he's willing to, you know, turn, do an about face on those guys over the course of the year, mm-hmm. we go down that road. There is no guarantee that Kevin Durant will a stay happy for the duration of his contract, regardless of where it is, or B, be there at the end of his contract. And by the way, oh, but he really wants to play with Devin Booker. Oh, he really wanted to play with Steph Curry, and he really wanted to play with Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. And how long did either of those last? It's not very long. Uh, But uh, people have also pointed out that that the places he's done best are the places with really good culture, and that is definitely here. And there's something about that that trio of guys really seems, to me, I think this is this would work. I really, I firmly believe it. But I, I, I'm quite on the fence about this, and I know a lot of people are because I have received an awful lot of emails about this, and people are really reticent to give up what we have for that. Yeah. And the more this goes, and if Kevin Durant really has to push this envelope and really get nutty, if he's got to go, Jimmy Butler, you, you all remember that, right? Remember how shocked the Timberwolves were. Jimmy Butler rolled into practice so hot one day, he started lighting into Carl. He took every bench player on the Wolves and smoked the, the starting starters, lineup. Yeah. the starting lineup. And he was like yelling at Yelling like yeah. and yelling at the coaches and yelling at the front office and slamming doors on the way out. And there are people, the players were like, oh. And and they knew they knew in Minnesota, we can't let that guy back in the building. Change the locks. And they did it. And what did it pay? Did it pay off? I mean, Jimmy Butler got his way, went to Philadelphia for a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Hasn't worked out there. Nope. Hasn't won anything in, in Miami yet. They, got, yet. they got, close got close in, in 2020. I want to go back to what you just said, too. 
where Kevin Durant works the best is in places with great culture. Mm-hmm. I think that would be true of most players. Probably. But a player of his status, why can't he be the guy Isn't to engender weird? culture? Isn't that weird that he's, he's – for as great as he is, he's still kind of a follower. And let's face it. When he won the two championships in Golden State, their culture was strong. His presence affected that culture. It diminished that in, culture in a little bit. In a bad bit. way. It yeah, and down. Kevin Durant yes. and Draymond Green were button heads by the end of it. I think these are all fascinating. And also, by the way, he'd be he in theory would be joining a culture where you would be getting rid of some of those players that make the culture in Mikel well, Bridges and Cam Johnson. There, there's no there's no doubt about that. There's no and I think there's a lot of Suns fans who like me are really on the fence. They're they're blinded by the idea of wow that our own super team with mm-hmm. KD Book and CP3. And there's that, and there's people who believe that the Suns are fully committed to that, and yet there's people who are like, no, let's just let's just ride or die with this crew. It's it's fascinating. It it really is because you know right now already, Jay Crowder has had the cryptic tweet. Mikhail Bridges sees his name in every trade simulator. Cam Johnson has commented on hearing all the rumors. He's talking about it, going, come quick on, man. Take my name out of your mouth. Yeah, Quick Trip is getting involved. <laughs> We've got whole gas right. stations. We do. Have Just because they're butt hurt that Mikel Bridges likes Wawa so much. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a mess. Wawa is fantastic. I don't know if you, any of you have ever actually Explain. had it. Never no. been. Wait, wait. No, you were just screaming for us to break a minute ago. <laughs> well, we have to break. What are you no, doing, Jerry? Jerry's going to make a point Jerry. Stay tuned. So, yeah, yeah now it doesn't I'll matter. explain later. I want to hear what Wawa's all about. Well, they have a thing called Hoagie Fest. Okay. Hoogie. Every summer. Hoogie. Mm-hmm. And they, they, you, you get these sandwiches, and they're like $6 for these big sandwiches. You can customize them everything you want, and they're really good. It's, it's much more than a gas station. It's Wawa. <laughs> A gas station sandwich. Wow. Coming up, more Jarrett Carlin food thoughts and the conclusion of yesterday's mustache, not a mustache. Yeah, Jarrett, you ever get smoky links from the gas station? Hot dogs filled with cheese? Gas station sushi? That's a good name for a band right there. Coming up next, there is a second-year player on the Arizona Cardinals whose importance is growing for the 2022 season. We'll tell you who and why next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Bigley and Murata. What we did this year is starting uh, OTAs. We played them outside and inside, so he's gotten work at both. Uh, X and and the H inside, so you guys are going to see him in a multiple uh, in a bunch of positions. So, I mean, even in the backfield, coming out the backfield and stuff like that. So he can he's one of those guys that can do it all, man. He's uh he's quick. He's he's very sure-handed. Um, again, going back to separate, he can separate in the break area, um, make guys miss uh, um, after the catch. So um, you know, last year he's coming in as a rookie. Yeah, Hob, you got a lot of guys, Zach Erk and stuff like that. We kind of use them in kind of, you know, jet sweeps and bubbles and stuff like that. But now the offense is totally wide open for what he can do for us. That's what wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson last week talking about Rondell Moore, how he's being used, shifting them all around, playing outside, playing inside. If there is a player, Bick, that the national experts are looking at the Cardinals and saying, that's a guy that either A, needs to break out for the Cardinals offense or B will break out for the Cardinals offense. He's the pick. 
because of the talent. Uh, there was some frustrations in how he was used. He was frustrated with how he was used in the second half of last season. But um, I love hearing it. I want to see it put in practice now. Sean Jefferson said, yeah, you're going to see him all over the place, outside included. I want to see what that looks like on a more consistent basis, and I think we'll get that opportunity early yeah, in the season. Yeah, no more jet sweeps with him. I want to see him catch the ball down the field, mm-hmm. use the speed and the gifts that he has. Yeah, I, I think that's one guy. You know, we've we've spent more time talking about Greg Wadadorch today than we have all year all camp long. Mm-hmm. I, I think Greg Dorch with a good game tomorrow, I, he might steal AJ Green's reps at least early on in the season. I, I he's been opening that many eyes. He could be the he could be number three coming out of camp. With obviously with DeAndre Hopkins being suspended. Jarrett, you look flummoxed. I'm, I'm surprised. I, I'm about a bit that. flummoxed by that too. Because I I think that despite all what we think, you think they love AJ Green? I think so. Or else there was no they didn't need to bring him back, especially trading for Hollywood Brown. I mean, they, they obviously see something in him to the fact that I I think they have him as the number three. When uh, we'll see. Hopkins is there, I think they have him ahead oh, of Rondell oh, Moore. Oh, 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 now that would be no. I, I I'm going to disagree vehemently with that. I mean, if I if 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 they're seeing that much of a better player than I saw, then one of us has got problems. Shut up, Jarrett. Well, yeah. If, if we see the same player mm-hmm. and the same um, you know production or lack of production at times. This year from A.J. Green is last year. I think mm-hmm. that, that that door is open. Uh, it, he, th- there needs to be an improvement. That was talked about, too, going mm-hmm. into camp, is how important that would be, A.J. Green working with Kyler Murray. Yeah. Uh, we, that, that's another thing that's just been wiped off. they had off a the, good day. <laughs> wiped off the, yeah, how much did you build in that day? Uh, Rondale Moore himself was a guest of Wolf and Luke yesterday. Uh, and on the verticality aspect of his game as a receiver, uh, does he agree that uh, that needs to be worked on? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it'll come. Um, obviously, it was a crowded room last year with um, Kirk here, and then we brought in Ertz, and um, obviously everyone is just trying to figure out their role. So I think those things will come. But for me, again, I just kind of try to stay with the same mindset, go out there and try to execute. And here's uh, Rondale Moore talking about the uh, evolution of the offense. I think, you know, uh, for us, it's just I think we hurt ourselves a lot of times last year uh, with penalties and things of that sort, uh, getting set back, playing behind the sticks. So, you know, if we can continue to uh, just progress, um, get the snap count down, not have uh, pre-snap penalties and things of that sort, I think we're our biggest enemy. So um, for that, for us, that just means locking in, uh, spending extra time on the playbook, um, on the different the cadences and things of that sort. So um, I think the progression for us just comes from um, us continuing to build upon what we already have. Progression's one thing. Evolution's another thing. And mm-hmm. you've said it a few times, and I think you're probably right on the money. At a certain point on the calendar, it felt like it was talked about a lot. Hey, we might see a, a markedly different-looking offense for the Cardinals with Kyler Murray under center, more and more of a traditional look. Uh, I think what's transpired so far in minicamp, OTAs, and now training camp has probably uh, eliminated that possibility to any agree. large degree. Yeah, I would agree, and that that's that's um, even believing that that was a possibility in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that might have been wishful thinking. I, I think when you look at what this what Cliff Kingsbury is and what Kyler Murray is, um, I, I don't see them really trying to forcefully make Kyler Murray into something he's never been before. I just – it doesn't seem to be part of what they're doing here. 
but I will say this: it, it's it, a lot of people I talk to are banking on this football team coming out hot mm-hmm. because they've been able to do that the last couple of seasons, and it's. I hope that I hope they're right about that. I really do. They're facing a Kansas City team in Week One that will be very different than the Titans in Week One last year. Uh, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, for all their talent, they know they are in a dogfight of a division. Yeah, there's very little wiggle room to, to ease into things. Yeah, uh, I think they're a team in Kansas City that's going to want to prove themselves. Because there's a lot of people doubting them. Mm-hmm. Hey, what are they going to do without Tyreek Hill? How are they going to come? Uh, you know, make up for that loss? Um, I think they're probably going to want to make a statement on that early. Right. Now the Cardinals have something to say about it. I wanted to bring up one other point on the Cardinals because I was looking looking at the uh, sound bites and Rondale Moore was asked if he has seen a difference uh, uh, out of Kyler or Cliff in their demeanor since they signed their contract extensions. Yesterday, Sean McVay, the head coach of the L.A. Rams, told reporters, hey, a little bit earlier in the offseason, I agreed to a contract extension. It hasn't been announced yet because the organization is waiting to finalize their extension for Les Snead, their general manager. It's August 10th. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl champions have not done that yet. They have not secured those deals just yet. So going back to the Cliff Kingsbury contract extension, and right. we had the cameras on us in the studio when yeah. that news broke, yeah, and, we and did. The, the reaction was was genuine. But you know, <laughs> I think a lot of people had that um, that that reaction. The Cardinals did that so early in the off season. The timing of that was very, very strange odd. to me. Oh yeah, when, and when on the Kyler front, it was always well. There's a timetable for these things to happen. Um, and I think the order of those extensions again is something that just hasn't sat totally well with me. No, th- that hasn't sat well with me, and, and either has what apparently seems to be a, a very shoestring kind of budget given to the GM. I don't know that for a fact, but it, it's starting to really feel that way. And maybe those two things are related. Maybe that was one of the uh, one of the things that contract extension for the GM and that coach were predicated on. That hey, listen, I'm going to hook you guys up, but but this is the number you got to work with this year for whatever reasons. I don't know, Vinny. Again, they've got there's 17 million dollars uh, of salary cap spending available to them, and they're remarkably porous on defense. There are needs on this football team. There are good players out there who've been signed elsewhere, and the Cardinals have just waved to them as they've gone by. Yeah. The the whole idea of switching training camps to the wigwam and, and not requiring everybody to stay in one place, I, all of it is just it. It's a little too close to the dark ages, Cardinals, if you ask me. Or I mean, it could indicate too that it, as opposed to free agency uh, and and kind of checking those boxes there, they might be in in the market for a trade. Well, okay. we'll see. But Let's they hope. they Let's... have options. You're right. They've got cap space to work with. It's mm-hmm. just a little puzzling, you know, going into. The third week of camp, or in the third week of camp, that uh, those have uh, none of those items have really been addressed. Coming up next, the latest on the Kevin Durant front, the connection to Phoenix. We'll check in with our own Kellen Olson from ArizonaSports.com. That's next. Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety-eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Wednesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The latest salvo in the Kevin Durant versus Brooklyn Nets saga has been been cast. And what does it all mean for uh, Kevin Durant, the Nets, and the Phoenix Suns? Checking in with us, our very own Kellen Olsen, who joins us now on the Arizona Sports Line. KO, how are you, man? 
What's up, guys? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, we were waiting for something to happen, and then we get the report from Shams the other day that uh, Kevin Durant gave the ultimatum of all ultimatums. Two heads have got to roll, or you trade me. Um, do you think the way Kevin Durant's side played that increases his chances of getting traded uh, overall, increases his chances of getting traded to the Suns, or how do you think it uh, it, it all shakes out? Yeah, I think it increases his chances of, of getting traded. I just wonder how that initial conversation went on the day that free agency was going to get started or, or the day before, whenever it was, exactly when the meeting took place that like Kevin Durant requested a trade. I, I just wonder what the terminology was, how the talks went exactly, and what exactly changed, if anything, from then until now and, and if there was a a tonal change that was required from Kevin Durant because the way that we can interpret Sham Shania's reports from then until now is that there was that kind of tonal change which was a, a lot more severe this time and of course Dan wrote this uh, story on ArizonaSports.com last night that is kind of wondering uh, wisely so like okay is Kevin Durant willing to go a step further here if we still kind of sit around and wait and more specifically with Phoenix is he willing to sort of say that he'll sit out for something like training camp and then specifically kind of try and force his way to a specific uh, team? Because, of course, the Suns were mentioned in Shams' story, but I think all of us are here not believing that that means the Suns are out of it. And we all know that all of the reporting the last month has led us to believe that the Suns are his preferred destination right now, and I don't see why that uh, would have changed. Yeah, no doubt about it. And yet there seems to be a conflict of, of head and heart versus run it back with this crew that we've fallen in love with versus just the just the, the stardust of being able to watch a super team like that. Uh, where, do, where do you lay on that? Are you still firmly in, hey, it's Kevin Durant, you choose Kevin Durant? Yeah, for sure, Dan. And honestly, beyond that, I still think this is a team that needs a shakeup in some type of way. Shakeup is an aggressive way to put it, but I do think that they need to add a significant piece or add someone who is really going to factor into their rotation going forward. I think that if this team does run it back, quote-unquote, to some extent next season, there's no reason to believe that they won't run into the same problems that eliminated them from the playoffs the last two seasons. I believe that continuity is a huge strength for this team and is going to continue to be next year, even if they make a a trade of this scale where they give up three, four really significant players as a part of their rotation, like continuity is still going to be a strength for this team. And if they don't make a trade like this, it's obviously going to be even bigger for them. But with all that being said, I just think the way that they ran into problems offensively in the last two times they were eliminated by the Bucks and the Mavericks. They just had limited options offensively. And look, DeAndre could take a huge step forward or two next season. So could Mikael Bridges. But if those guys don't, they're going to just kind of run into the same problems offensively. And that's going to be asking a lot out of Devin Booker and then asking a lot out of Chris Paul. And that's just where I would have the same sort of hesitations kind of naturally build up. And you look at the way that their season ended as well. It looks like a team that could use some changes. I think a lot of us thought that that was going to just kind of come naturally with DeAndre Ayton leaving to go somewhere else and being involved in a sign trade, but that didn't happen either. So it's it's kind of strange how all of this is kind of compounded on top of each other to not really add to anything significant happening yet, but uh, we're still stuck here saying yet uh, a month later and, and probably six weeks later and so on, to be honest. Kellen Olsen, our guest, as we talk basketball, basketball here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Um, Joe Sy responded pretty quickly after the news broke with his tweet that we'll operate in the best interest of the Brooklyn Nets, which doesn't mean 
necessarily that he will acquiesce to Kevin Durant's uh, trade request. Uh, how much pressure do you think Joe Sy and the Brooklyn Nets are getting from, from from around the league? Hey, don't do either one of these things. Call Kevin Durant's bluff. How much do you think is that that exists right now? That's an interesting way to to think about it, Vince. I, I think that Brooklyn is in such a difficult position for a couple of different reasons, but it's also the situation that they I don't know. I was about to say it's a situation that they created, but I think if all of us were thrown a team with Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant on and said, hey, yes or no, uh, you'd probably say yes. And I think every, nearly every team in the league, if not every single team in the league, would have taken the spot that they were in. I think the thing that everything forgets, everyone forgets about the position that they were in is that we were talking about those really encouraging Brooklyn teams with Spencer Dinwiddie and D'Angelo Russell and just how with Sean Marks, with Kenny Atkinson, they were sort of building – this thing that looked really promising for the future. And then again, like they made that choice to kind of bail on everything and go behind Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, like so many teams, if not every team in the league would have chosen to do. And, and now they don't even have to, I feel like salvage is too big of a word to even describe what's going on right now. I don't think you can salvage this. I, I think it's just about getting the most that you can. So again, I don't, I don't really think that Brooklyn is in the wrong position here to kind of sit around and wait for something bigger to come because obviously it hasn't come yet. Now, are their expectations too high? Of course. Are our teams offering for Kevin Durant? Are they offering too little? Of course. Like there's a middle ground that needs to be found yet. And it's just not there yet. I, I really just didn't believe uh, five, six weeks ago that the biggest player in, in a quote-unquote Kevin Durant trade would be someone like OG Ananobi or yeah. Mikael Bridges or, yeah. or, or someone like right. that. It feels like there's a star name that has to kind of be involved in there, right? And we're just kind of waiting to see if that name is going to come up somewhere here. And and to date, the only thing remotely looking like a star would be Jalen Brown, and we don't know if Kevin Durant would want to go to Boston. What do your instincts tell you um, Kevin Durant is going to do in terms of whether or not relenting on his wish list or or, or digging in further? I, I think it's less about relenting on his wish list and just finding the basketball fits that sort of make the most sense, and that's where I think Miami and Phoenix just – made a lot of sense logistically but also just in terms of where he would feel the best from from a basketball perspective i i think that's sort of the the game that we've uh, tried to avoid playing but have had to inevitably is kind of looking at the kevin durant thing and saying oh kevin durant loves basketball he loves the hoop he would never sit out or anything like that i don't think we can operate under any sort of thought process like that especially after we saw what we saw this week because any way you spin it, as big of a fan of Kevin Durant as I am, and a lot of people are around the league, you can't look at that and just say, like, oh, well, you know, that's business as usual. No, that was pretty ugly. Like, to, to, to make it an ultimatum, them or me, with the GM and the head coach, uh, it, it wasn't pretty at all. And you just wonder what other, um, for, for lack of a better word, like games that, that Kevin Durant and his team are willing to play in order to get what he wants, which is obviously not to be in Brooklyn anymore. Kellett Olsen, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Let's just uh, operate under the assumption that the Kevin Durant trade does not happen uh, this summer to the Phoenix Suns, and they are in position to quote-unquote run it back. But you talked about it. They need uh, an infusion of something. A lot of people have talked about the backup point guard spot upgrading over over Cameron Payne. What, what can you expect? What do you expect the Suns to do if the Durant thing falls through in terms of upgrading this roster? Yeah, I'm not sure in terms of expectations for me, Vince. They definitely have changed over a month just because of how much change for them in free agency and potentially on on the trade market in the last month. But yeah, those were two things that I addressed before the offseason started is 
his backup point guard campaign was one of the two or three best backup point guards in the league two years ago. But last year, that position was just so inconsistent for them, and Payne's play in particular was so inconsistent that they had to make changes in the playoffs. Remember, mm-hmm. Landry Shamit was bringing the ball up in, in a game in a couple of games in Dallas, and that was something we didn't see. The, the whole season, but yeah, Monty Williams right. kind of had to try and change something and, and take a different direction there. And, and I just think they need more, more offensive threats. I've talked about the four spot a lot, and, and I think that that more comes down to the Suns failing Jay Crowder than Jay Crowder failing them, if that makes sense. Like, we're all, we're all smart. We, we know that you're not going to ask Jay Crowder to do more offensively next year because you need more because that's not Jay's game. But at the same time, they do need a bit of an offensive punch from somewhere else, and that's the position on the court you look at more than any other one that they could add someone. Now, Kevin Durant is the best potential guy you could add there out of anyone in the league, of course, but you could downscale a bit and look at someone else you could acquire for an unprotected pick or two that could add a little bit more of something there. And again, Jay is a really important part of this team. Mikel is a huge, huge part of this team, so you can't underlie or underrate really how much those two mean to them on both ends of the court. But with that being said, it just feels like sacrificing a bit of that cohesion and continuity that they have for a bit more offense is something that they're going to need or they might run into the same problems they did the last two years. Kellen, great stuff as always, man. We appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. Kellen Olson, ArizonaSports.com, one of the hosts of the Empire of the Suns podcast. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, Coming up next, we've got a message to the NCAA investigators on behalf of everybody involved with Arizona State football. Well, we're waiting. What's taking so long? We'll get into the latest on that front next. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Wednesday edition of Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ock Chin Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Jared Carlin, Sarah Cazell with you until 10 o'clock. If you are an ASU football fan and you were mm. hoping uh, that the NCAA investigation into the alleged wrongdoings by the football program would be wrapped up by the season opener in September. Yeah. Sorry to burst your bubble. Uh, Michael Crow, president of Arizona State University, did an uh, interview with The Athletic on Tuesday and This quote almost made me fall out of my chair. Yeah. Quote, I know that we haven't, out of my office, been very vocal about anything because we're asked not to say anything by the NCAA, Crow said. And the NCAA is moving in deliberate fashion. I don't believe they've even interviewed our remaining coaches yet. End quote. Okay. You said he did this interview 16 months ago? <laughs> what did you say it was? Uh, this was or this Tuesday. week. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, a further quote, quote, if we had been doing this investigation, we would have moved with the greatest speed imaginable to get a sense of what's going on. It's a process. You know the process. It's unfortunate. And we're doing our best uh, to work our way through it and to work it out. Why did I fall out of my chair? Mm-hmm. Because the way this was presented initially last summer yes. was that the whistleblowers in this whole scenario uh, that had all this dirt on ASU and their alleged wrongdoings presented a very nice, complete, tidy dossier on all the wrongdoings. Right. We're talking about 14 months 
Mm-hmm. And they haven't interviewed the coaches who are still on the staff yet. It's 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 shameful. Is there a more worthless organization in any walk of life on planet Earth right now? Well, maybe don't answer that. But well, <laughs> my point no, is listen, the NCAA is worthless. And you know our our good friend listener Ralph Amsden he he tweeted out something yesterday in response to all of this that I thought was very very intelligent, and that is. It seems like now the investigation is the penalty. The X amount of years you spend in purgatory, in limbo, while your recruiting base gets annihilated, there's your punishment. And yeah. all of your guys transfer out. And all your guys transfer. There's your Damage punishment. Damage is done. And so, and maybe, even though he kind of said it tongue in cheek, part of me thinks. That might not that might not be far from the truth in terms of what they're effectively trying to do here, because if if they are toothless, which they are, why are they taking so long when, as you pointed out, this this whole thing, the the flow chart was handed to them, phone numbers of people wanting to talk to them were included. Well, and we've all scoffed at Herm Edwards response to the questions now for two Mm -hmm. football seasons about. Has this been a distraction? No, we just go out and go to work. And people are like, how how could it not be a distraction for the coaches? The reason why it hasn't been a distraction is because they haven't been talked to yet, apparently. Well, and I would like to know exactly who has not been talked to. It would not be be, um, unusual for Herm Edwards to be the last person they talk to after everything else comes in. Because he is the head coach of the program, uh, but but th- this to me, it's been how long now? Sixteen months. You look 14, at the, I think. 14, fourteen months. months. You look at the time allocated to the uh, University of Arizona's basketball program. It's just asinine. There there should be there should be a statue of limitations on the NCAA. If you're going to slap a notice of allegations on a school, you, then the clock ticks for you, NCAA, and you have X amount of months to get this done, or it just falls apart. Especially because this affects the student athletes well, as well does. that they care so much about that be left in in limbo for yeah. years. Yeah, and it's and I do believe that a lot of these, whether they want to admit it or not, I do believe that they're selective about how how rapidly they they go about pursuing some of these investigations. If you're a blue blood in a sport, now Arizona might feel otherwise, but I look at Kansas and you look at North Carolina's academic scandal, which I mean. They had they had nothing but proof, and nothing happened to North Carolina. And that investigation took forever too. And that by the took way. Forever. University of Miami also had a yeah. big one, and yeah. nothing it's, happened. Yeah. So so to me, this is just it's just so monstrously derelict. Because and again, if ASU broke the and, and as time passes, people are like, "Oh, big deal!" So they brought recruits in during a pandemic. You have to remember that it, during the pandemic, we none of us really had any clue what the context of it all mm-hmm. was. Yeah, how truly dangerous it was. All that kind of stuff. So in real time, this is a pretty brazen thing for ASU staff to do, especially if they were flaunting. The fact that these kids were on campus, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diminish the illegalities or the immoralities of it all. But come on, yeah, I mean, you haven't talked to Herm Edwards yet about this. <laughs> we'll get around to it. it, it it's amazing. Uh, one other college football note I wanted to pass along is uh, Nick Saban's already in midseason form. Did you see some of his quotes? I can't believe you haven't brought up ASU's uniforms that that oh, just oh, yeah. disgusted I tra- by. I, well, I tried to scrub it out of my brain. <laughs> I thought you would. 
It's pretty oh. bad, isn't it? That sandstorm-looking thing. They had a sand-colored uniform that worked before mm-hmm. a, a couple years ago. The Pat Tillman um, tribute uniform. I thought, you know, it, as a one-off, it wasn't all that bad. The ones that were displayed. Uh, how do you have a sand uniform? With a predominantly yellow or gold number on it. Yes. I immediately thought about spotters and anybody in the world's highest press box at Sun Devil Stadium being oh, able yeah. to determine who anybody oh, yeah. is. Good luck with that. Oh, right. Yeah, not a good luck. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I just, I just thought that I mean, cause it seemed to cause quite an uproar among a lot of ASU fans, and I know you are definitely a uni kind of guy. But the article I read, uh, somebody described it as an abomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Uh, but Nick Saban, uh, he's always battling the media, his whole rat poison philosophy yep. on expectations for Alabama. They're the preseason number one in the coaches' poll, but he's taking it out on the on the media again. Quote, uh, it's kind of interesting to me that I see articles every day that uh, you have already decided what kind of team we're going to have, what the expectations are for the team. I think in some ways this creates a much more difficult challenge to have players be hungry, try to prove what they can do together as a group. Oh, enough. <laughs> You know what creates the expectations uh is that you have athletes who last year, by his own admission, under the new NIL rules, combined to make $3 million. Um, What leads to those expectations is that every year you're at the top of the recruiting rankings. Mm -hmm. What leads to these expectations is that every year you're in contention for a national championship. Ugh. Give it a rest. He called last year a rebuilding yeah, year. Yeah, that, that was so arrogant. Oh, man. They won the SEC, played for the national championship, and had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Rebuilding year. Telling you, college football is full of unlikable coaches. And there was a time before before things went bad at ASU that I used to think, this is another one of the benefits of Herm Edwards. In a, in a industry full of jerk faces. Oh, Herm is still likable. Compared to some of these other guys? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, a, I agree with that. That was a loud face scratch there. <laughs> I didn't want to point that out. Yeah. But Remember those old shaving yeah, cream commercials where you scrape your face with a credit card? <laughs> it says silence. Yeah, and it says a lot. I don't know what that is. That's good. That was the rugged Dan Bickley mm-hmm. right there. Uh, coming up next, we hit the 9 o'clock hour. We'll take a look at some social studies with Sarah Cazell. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.